Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. I'm, it's, it's been so good to be in the Psalms together for the last, um, I guess it's the last month or so now, isn't it? Maybe a bit more. And um, it's such a rich book, uh, the Bible, and Psalms is such a rich part of it. And there's been uh, so much over the, the weeks, different uh, phrases and different verses and different images and pictures that have just really... Um, they've been stunning and striking and, and, and refreshing and challenging and wonderful. And I do really love the honesty of the Psalms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just raw at times. You know, the, 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 the heart of the psalmist is just laid before us. There's, there's, it's kind of no holds barred. God, this is, this is where I'm at at the moment, Lord. And, and it's from sometimes being in... in worship and praise kind of lost in, in, his, in his glory and majesty, and other times it's, it's feeling like you're the, the worst of the worst, like a worm in, uh, that's, that's eating the dust and, and everything in between, and there's this, this wonderful um, range that every one of us can identify with at different times in different ways, and God knows that, you know, we're not always consistent in how we feel, but He is always consistent. We don't always relate to God in the way that we know that we should, but He always relates to us perfectly. And it's the faithfulness of God that I've been so blessed with as, as we've been reading through the Psalms, that He's always faithful. And um, as, as we've been reading it, and, and as the Word has come through different people over the last few weeks, I really want to talk about the power of the corporate, the, 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 the importance of corporateness, and the importance of being part of something bigger than ourselves, being part of the church, being part of God's people, being part of the family of God or the army of God, being part of something bigger than ourselves, being part of a city that God is building together. And uh, called this uh, Still Together because there's something in us where we need to be committed to one another to say no matter what happens, we're still together. But also that when we're together there's a stillness that will come. You know, I loved the encouragement from Linda this morning about peace being the garment, if you like, that we clothe ourselves in love, that there's peace in the body of Christ and among God's people. And uh, Alex uh, Graves brought a scripture last week and he reminded us of Psalm 133 that when brothers dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing. Um, Mick talked last week when he preached about seeing things, but he talked about a corporate seeing. We personalize so many things, don't we? And, and we, be, we can become very individualistic in our thinking. And the world wants to do that. We, we live in a very individualistic world where it's my truth and, and my truth is what matters. And you have to respect that. And, and we kind of all have to uh, 
respect one another's beliefs, and we can't really challenge that. And if we are, then we're regarded as, as being maybe bigoted or, or having a view that we're trying to impose on, on other people. But God wants us to be different. He wants us to be a people that have a shared truth together, where there's a willingness to be open to one another, to be challenged and to be built up and to be encouraged, that we're still together in all of these things. And Deborah brought uh, a prophetic word. She said, uh, right when we began the Psalms a few weeks ago now, she said, a picture of coming under the canopy of God's love, to be together under the shelter of His love as we spend time in the Psalms. And then as we were worshiping last week, Deborah had a picture of, of, a, of, a, of a bird, a huge bird with, with huge feathers that was sitting, resting on the roof of the building here as we were in worship. And that the bird was strong, but it had wrapped its feathers around us and was jealously guarding us and protecting us as we were together in the presence of God. There's something for us that God wants us to grasp about the power of our corporateness and our willingness to engage with that and to bless one another. And, 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 you know, the thing about the Psalms is, although many of them are very personal, there is oftentimes a shift from the personal to the corporate. If you just have a quick look at Psalm 51, I was really struck by this before we look at Psalm 46, but this, this shift that takes place and... and this is the psalm that David, it's, it's, it's his psalm of repentance after he sinned terribly. Not only has he committed adultery, he's murdered an innocent man as part of this whole sin. It, it had gone from bad to worse, and, and he's challenged by the prophet, and he comes to God and he repents. And where does David start? What's the first opening um, place of his focus? Have mercy on me. me. And there's this very personal me. But very quickly, David moves from me to he. That he begins to look at himself, but then he says, but God, yeah. I see how glorious and majestic you are. And then as he sees God, he comes back to himself and he realizes how terrible this sin is. He goes from me to he to me again. And he begins to deal with the sin and he's saying, Lord, purify me, cleanse me, wash me, make me white as snow. And you know, we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, the, the healing, the forgiveness that we've come into. He says, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a loyal spirit. And he begins to talk again and focus on, on he, on God. And he says, Lord, don't let your Holy Spirit be taken from me. The focus is back to he. But then from there, he goes from me to he, from me to he, to we. He begins to start to say, Lord, help me to bring others through into truth. I'm going to teach your way to rebels. Lord, I want to um, uh, see favor in Zion. He begins to pray for the city of God. His focus goes from me to he, from me to he, to we. And I love that, that in this very personal psalm, David still finds himself praying for the city, still praying for the people of God. And I want us to look at, at Psalm 46 together because this is a psalm that is very much about the corporateness. If you could put the, the verse up for me, please. There's a lot on there. That's just the whole psalm. It's from the New American Standard Version. And uh, in your Bibles, you might see it above it that it's written by the, the sons of Korah and it's written for soprano voices. I find that very intriguing. 
that's kind of the highest range in, in, in the vocal range. That's, that's the highest pitch, so usually sung by, by women because of the ability to reach those higher notes. There's something about this that's, that's very lofty, and it's to be sung by soprano voices. And I believe God wants to minister something to us through this psalm this morning. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. I love that. I love this psalm. You know, the, the psalmist is writing, the sons of Korah are ministering, and, and they start with this incredible statement that God, Elohim, the transcendent one, the creator of the rolling spheres. I love that description in Crown Him. Ineffably sublime. God, Elohim, the one who has always been, who's above all, the Lord of the hosts of heaven's armies, is our strength and our refuge. I mean, if we could grasp this together, if we could really grasp this together and... and, and somehow grasp the greatness of God, but his, the, the desire that He has for us to draw on Him, to look to Him. He's our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? A very present help, not just present, very present. That description of God, He's exceedingly present. He is so close. You know, God is here right now by His Holy Spirit, and, and, and for us to grasp that as we're gathered here right now, we say, God, you're our refuge and our strength. Can we say that together? God, you're our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. He's very present. He is very present. And for us to grasp afresh that when we gather together, God chooses to be present in a way that is unattainable when we're by ourselves. He's very present. And there's this as well. He's now. He's very present. He's near and He's now. He's, 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 he's a God who's near us now. That means He can do anything now. That means He can move now. That means He's speaking now. That means He's ministering now. That means He's here now. 
very present. Lord, help us to grasp. Help us to grasp, Lord, how awesome and mighty you are, but how very present you are, Lord. Thank you, Father. When we were praying last week, Stefan said about as we draw near to God, God draws near to us. And James 4, 8 says that. It says, come near to God and He will come near to you. But I believe that God wants us to draw on Him. He wants us to call on Him. He wants us to know that He's near, that He's close. He wants us to be strengthened so that we can be strong. Because we live in a world where the need for strong people is abundantly clear, isn't it? And that's what the psalmist goes on to describe. But it's for us to be strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. Joel 3.10 says, even let the weakling say, I am a mighty warrior. Because God is with us. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, he's crying out to God and God says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so he says, it's the power of Christ who works in me. That we're drawing on the power of Christ Jesus. And that when we gather together, there's a provision for us. That even this morning, there's been a provision. But I believe as we... We're going to come back into worship shortly. There's going to be a provision for us. That as we worship, we're going to draw on Him. We're going to pull on Him more actively than maybe we have done so far this morning. That as we approach Him, we're doing it knowing, God, You're very present. And we're here together and there's a provision for us. We're going to pull on You. And draw on you and draw close to you and know that as we do that, you're saying, I'm here. Abundantly available. Abundantly available. And Jesus says, and if, if anyone's heavy laden, just bring your weight before me and I'll put my yoke on you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's near and he's close. He wants us to lay everything down so that he can place on us what he wants us to carry. Strengthen to be strong. In verse 2, it says that this wonderful word that we find so often in our Bibles, therefore. And, you know, if, if you get to, when you get to Romans 12, it's kind of, therefore, brothers, I urge you in view of God's mercy. And it's like, in the light of everything that I've said. And all the psalmist has said is verse 1. But that line, that, that one verse defines and frames everything else for us. So that one statement about God being transcendent, God being our refuge, God being our strength, God being very present in trouble, that is enough for us to then deal with everything else that the psalmist is about to describe. And what he's describing is a chaotic world. And he's writing this 3,000 years ago. Guess what? Nothing's changed. The world is no more chaotic in many ways. Nations rise and fall. The sea will always bubble up and swell and and all these things are going on mountains are falling into the sea and yet God is constant therefore we will not fear I will not fear everything is interpreted in the light of verse one he's our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble therefore I will not fear I choose not to fear I decide I'm not going to let fear dominate me Things might be scary, and fear might try to to come into my heart, but I'm going to say, Lord, you're my refuge, you're my strength, you're very present. I will not fear. Very present. This decision, I will not fear. The earth is changing. Mountains are slipping into the heart of the sea. This is scary stuff. 
There's this description of, 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 of the sea being representing very often in Scripture um, humanity. This sea, that, this kind of uh, bubbling and foaming and growling and roaring and it's tumultuous to the point where mountains are being shaken and they're slipping into it. And we see this picture of, 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 of mountains represent, representing empires. And you just look at Daniel's life. In his lifetime, two empires kind of, one, one, one slips away and another one rises up. And that's just in his lifetime. Can you imagine what it must be like for God to see the rise and fall of empires over the centuries? You know, in, in, in the face of the Assyrian Empire, it must have seemed like this, this mighty army with Sennacherib was going to be so powerful and so awesome and, and going to dominate forever. Now nobody really knows where Nineveh even is. This mighty city. And then the Persians and the Greeks and, and the Romans and, and all of these empires that have risen and fallen. And even in our own lifetimes, the, the USSR, the Soviet Union and East Germany and West Germany. And, and yet things just change in, in seemingly seconds what has been there for decades, if not centuries. Mountains are slipping into the sea. Nothing's changed. Empires come and empires go. Humanity is grumbling and roaring and, and the waters are roaring and foaming and boiling and mountains are quaking and, and there's this swelling pride. But you know what? When Jesus stood in the boat in the storm, He just spoke a word. He said, be still. And the storm is real. But God wants us to say this, be still. Firstly to myself, be still. But also to one another, be still. Peace. Let peace reign here. In, in verse 2 and 3, we've got the earth changing. We've got mountains slipping into the sea. We've got seas roaring and foaming and mountains are quaking and, and there's huge waves that are, are all over the place. But then verse 4, there's this incredible shift. It couldn't be any different. Because all of a sudden, the psalmist just flips us after a cellar. So he guess he's given us a pause. Saying, think about this for a minute. But now, I'm taking you somewhere else. There's a city. There's a river. This is us. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. You know, in, throughout history, cities have very often been built on rivers. It's, it's very practical, isn't it? You know, the river is there for your water to supply, to, to, to be cleansed and washed and, and to feed crops and to feed animals and also for commerce and business and travel. Rivers have been really useful and, and, and many of the uh, capital cities in the world have been built on or near rivers. Jerusalem wasn't built on a river. There is no river through Jerusalem. But the psalmist is writing about a city with a river. And God wants us to know that we are a city that has a river that flows through it. You know, um, King Hezekiah kind of has a go at building a river into Jerusalem when they're under attack. If you, you can have a look at the end of um, Second Kings and at the end of Second Chronicles, he builds a river from the spring, the Gion Spring. He, he runs a channel that's probably about half a mile long to run into the pool of Siloam, which was near the city of, of Jerusalem. And it's the pool of Siloam where Jesus um, goes and ministers and um, restores a man who's been there for 38 years. 
But there's this kind of picture of a king that's, that's bringing the river into the city. Well, you know what? There is a king who reigns in the city and he's brought a river into it. There are different types of rivers described in, in the Bible because it's set in the, in the middle, middle East. There are some rivers that are there purely during certain seasons, the rainy season, and in other times there are a completely dry riverbed. This is not the river, the type of river that's being referred to in this psalm. This river is a perennial stream. It's not seasonal. It doesn't sometimes gush and sometimes stop. It's always flowing. There's a river for us this morning that God wants us to enter into in our worship. There's a river in the city here this morning that's going to make glad those who live in the city, make glad the people of God. You know, as I read this this river and these streams, I was taken straight back to Psalm 1, verse 3, where it says about those who don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, they are like trees that are firmly planted by what? streams of water which yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers the river is here for us this morning Ezekiel 47 when he's being transported to the temple he's in Babylon he couldn't be in many ways for him further away from where the temple was in Jerusalem but God takes him by the spirit and takes him to a different temple the temple the heavenly temple and what does he see flowing from it a river. And along the sides of this river are trees that are thriving, full of life. It says on, the, on its bank, on each side will be trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because the water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Jeremiah 17 verse 8 says, those who are righteous will be like a tree planted by water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when heat comes but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor ever cease to yield fruit that's us this morning we don't need to be afraid when there's heat we don't need to be afraid when there's drought when there are external factors why because we're spiritually refreshed by the river that is always flowing it's not seasonal and it flows through the city revelation 22 we see this picture, the city of God, and it said, he showed me a river of the water of life. Just close your eyes for a moment, if you would, please. Just picture this river in the city, a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and it ran down the middle of its street, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. We're here this morning, the city of God. There's a river here that's going to flow. It's been flowing, but, but I, I just have this sense of us being switched on and, and, and tuned in to what God wants to show us and what God wants to do among us. this river that's flowing, and the stark contrast between the sea, salty, tumultuous, damaging, destructive, and a river that's clear as crystal, one that's worldly, one that flows from the throne of God himself, the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, help us 
this morning. Help us this morning, we ask, Holy Spirit. Flow in a way that's so tangible for us this morning. Jesus, you said, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink, and out of you will flow rivers of living water. Wash us this morning afresh, Holy Spirit. Flow through us afresh this morning, through our gathering. Let this city be glad by the river that flows as we worship you this morning. Can I ask the singers and musicians to come back to the stage, please? Verse 5 says this, God is in the midst. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Isn't that a wonderful description? God is very present, but God is also guaranteed to be there tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's very present, but I can rejoice because I know in the morning when I wake up, He's already there. He's there for us. We don't need to worry. Verse 6 says, "The The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. Listen to this. He raised his voice, the earth melted. <laughs> Everything changes when God speaks. The Lord of hosts is with us. He's with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. I find it so interesting that he's described as the God of Jacob. Why Jacob? Why not Abraham? Why not Isaac? Why not Moses or some of these kind of seemingly more noble men? He's the God of Jacob. But you know what? This was Jacob's testimony at the end of his life. In Genesis 48, verse 15, as he's blessing his sons, Jacob's testimony is this, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. He is our shepherd. He's the one who's redeemed us says this, come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns chariots with fire. Cease striving. Or other versions say, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harbour. Feel free to come and visit us. We'd love to meet you.